Investing in your own growth and self-development isn't selfish, it's self-care. This is the Rebranded Podcast, the show where we hear about personal development and career growth. You'll learn what it takes to highlight yourself on your resume and beyond your resume. Remember, it's never too late to rebrand yourself and your career. I'm Tanikia, and this is the Rebranded Podcast. Today we have Rodell Wilson. She is a creative professional with four plus years of experience in various aspects of the film industry and a former educator for three years in education. Her mission is to use her gifts to unite diverse cultures through inspiration, team building, service, and leadership. She wants to impact communities with communities that she's a part of. She's a big sister, a friend, a confidant, a role model, and a leader of change. As a leader, she aspired to acquire the same strength, wisdom, drive, grace, humility, and vision of those that have been her influences. Her contributions that she would like to add to the world include changing the dynamics of inner city youth struggle and empowering communities through the arts and technology. What grade did you teach or how did you like get into education or what was that journey like for you um for me uh diving into education was more of like I went to school for communication that was my major um and then when I got out of school and realized how the realities of the industry were I had to do something that I was interested in or had a passion for to a degree and basically find something that was providing me stability, health insurance, and all of those things. And the closest thing I could think of was education because I basically, in high school, all the way through college, worked at an after-school program. So it was basically teaching without teaching and working with kids. So that was the only like professional avenue that I could think of that I could get in with my degree and be passionate about or have interest in. Yeah, and like you said, that there are some good benefits to it, like the days off and um, the other like holidays and summers off and insurance, things of that nature. Yeah, I didn't even think about the like summers off, but like now that I'm in a different field, like that was definitely definitely like clutch. And then you off on all the holidays and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that was cool. And um, I taught for three years. The first year I taught technology for a bridge program. And that was like basically like students from sixth to ninth grade. Uh, but they were basically t- trying to get in their right grade. Um, second year was English sixth grade, which was really interesting because it's like that transitional moment for students when they go from like elementary to like pre-high school but not high school and mm-hmm. then um I taught at a SPID alternative program and that was kindergarten through seventh grade math okay did you have a um, preference of like where you wanted to be or it was just any opening that um, you could find um really any opening that I could find at a school that I particularly liked or was adjacent to the community that I grew up in. Um, 
my last job was more so kind of just me needing a position. So taking whatever they had because I never envisioned myself teaching math. But <laughs> um, yeah, it was definitely at first preference. And then it turned into like just whatever based on necessity. Yeah. So let me ask you this because I always wondered um, how was that? How was your experience with teaching these students, um, even though you had a completely different um, degree? Um, you mean in terms of subject matter or just... Yeah, what, whatever, like subject matter, doing like lessons, if you had to do that, and just like understanding um, like behaviors, all that stuff. Um, it was interesting because, I mean, as a communications major, one of the main things that you learn, you do learn is like communication. So um, as a teacher, they teach you in professional development, different strategies and ways to communicate that they deem effective to communicate with students. And um, it was different for me. And the math regard, technology and English was fine because those are both like subjects that I like really excelled in or like things that I were good at. Um, but math was the challenging part. Number one, because like the way that they were teaching math was not the way that I learned math. So it was like a big adjustment and it's kind of like retraining your brain because it's like, you know the answer and how to get to the answer of the problem but it's like you have to teach it in a certain way um based on like the way that you're trained to teach them right yeah and i always wonder um how it was from a different because you know my um undergrad degree was in elementary education so i always wondered how it was for others that didn't necessarily have a degree in education. So thanks for sharing that because prior conversation, I had a different outlook on that whole situation, but I can still see how um, your major was relatable or transferable in that aspect. But I also can see um, like, your perspective of the reason why you you wanted to get into education or rather needed to at that time in your life so thanks that's, that's funny though what your um what your background being in education how was your like perspective based on mine like now that you've heard it <laughs> <laughs> well I always said that it's it's really different for um it's different from how we were taught to um, do certain things in the classroom um, in the education department versus I'm pretty sure how anyone else with a different degree mm -hmm. was, was learning with um, their subject matter. But I always said that, or I always thought that um, the people with an education degree were, um, how can I put this I don't know just were um not more competent but you know had those that um background knowledge of those best practices and stuff to better serve like the students so um I always kind of thought well I wonder if the students are getting 
the best education that they can get, that they can get if they have a who, quote unquote, had a education degree. Correct. I think that I think that it is it definitely puts you at an advantage because like all of the planning and the standards and the assessments, like you're basically trained and have knowledge of that. But it's like as a first time teacher going in and that's not you, the degree that you acquired is mm-hmm. definitely uh, harder to like adjust and to grasp the concepts. So um, I definitely agree. Yeah, good. We can on that. So good. <laughs> Cause you know, that could turn into a whole, you know, different uh conversation depending yeah. on how it's um talked about. But what were your likes and dislikes about um being in the education field? Um I think for me, uh number one top priority was the kids, like um just being able to see uh the future of tomorrow, like just their different personalities and how different they are, but how they communicate with each other, how they just all of the different facets of a child in education. And it's also like a reminder of myself in school. So um, that uh, I think for me, I thrive in like a team oriented environment. So like the collaboration part and knowing like that you're really never alone because you have coworkers dealing with the same students or kind of having the same issues or struggles or like maybe you struggling in one area, they struggling in another and you can help each other. That was one of my um, favorite things. Um, And then the planning, like, you know, lesson planning is not my favorite part, but because I have like an engineering mind where I like, like, being able to be solution oriented and putting the pieces of the puzzle together that was definitely something that came easy to me and then the mentoring part where like as a teacher you're not just a child's teacher you you're a parent you are a everything yeah you're basically everything (laughs) like you take care of them and a big thing for me when I was teaching was not just educating students it was like preparing them for the real world that they were about to be in because I didn't have that certain preparation and I didn't have those relationships with every teacher so I tried to make sure that that was something that I could be for all of my students my dislikes (laughs) um I definitely like the logistical part like all the standards and assessments um for me in education I didn't really like the part where I was responsible for a child's like academic um learning because like the math like it was like I was basically just going based off a script and not really necessarily what I know but like the life skill aspect and everything outside of that and like character building and all of that stuff came naturally to me And it's also like students are on so many different levels. It's hard to like define them by statistics and numbers. Yeah. Because each child is different. Yeah, that's real. And that's um, a a common denominator amongst a lot of transitioning teachers that I know myself. Um, That's a thing that um, they disliked as well, me personally. I dislike it 
too. Um, I know like the importance or the goal behind the assessment piece, but I do feel that, um, you know, it's just too much for some, well, for most students, especially like you said, they're on different levels and you know that even though some students are in a certain grade, um, they're not in that grade, you know, below or above. So I think that's really an unfair advantage that um, they have to take those type of assessments when that's not where they currently are. So it's like you're setting them up for failure. Yeah. And also like some students are not test take good test takers. So it's, it may not necessarily just be a reflection of their intellect or where they are, but a matter of the fact that they not, they're not good test takers, you know? So it's a lot of different like factors I feel um, that like affect that. Yeah. And what I used to do in my classroom is um, when I saw how the assessment were, I used to mimic that with my weekly assessments uh, sort of so that they can get used to that. Their homework will mimic how they um how their weekly assessments will look. So um you know it wouldn't be like super surprising to them or a cult uh not a culture shock but a shock to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gave them that preparation of taking the test, what it would be like, um, if it needed to be timed or something like that, you know. So I I tried to, my best for like those individuals that wasn't um that weren't good test takers to um prepare them but um what are you when did you leave teaching and what are you doing now and how did you get into what you're doing now um well uh I think it was January 4th of 2020 right oh you know the day (laughs) <laughs> Wait, when did COVID happen? COVID happened in, in March. Yeah, 2020. Well, then 2021, January 4th of 2021, I tendered my resignation because um, I don't know. I just got really overwhelmed and in like this real funk about life and where my career was going. And it was very hard to like find a way to move up in education without having to go and acquire another degree or another certification, which I was willing to do, but like, it was just a moment. I think COVID too put a lot of things in perspective for me. And so I quit my job <laughs> um, after holiday break and um, I had two months saved up and I was like, you know, I went to school for communication, which is basically because I wanted to work in film and TV production. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm a, I have time. I could try this again. Let me do it. And um, I got an internship uh, through Novak, which is this organization that like provides resources uh, within the film and TV industry. Um, and I did their like production assistant intensive and I got an internship on Queen of the South, which is a Netflix TV show as a set monitor. And it was only up from there. I worked three jobs, three different projects so far in the last three years. Um, I'm now on Novak's executive board of directors and 
I uh, just moved to New York six months ago, um, working on a show that we just finished shooting on Friday. So um, that is basically where I am now. And I basically was able to transition to New York because I met someone on the last show I was on who basically had a job uh, in New York. And it was just basically like good time and my lease was up. And I was like, why not get out of New Orleans, you know? Yeah, what is, um, so as a production assistant or set monitor, like, what do you do? Do you just, like, are you one of the, I'm pretty unfamiliar with it, but are you one of those um, people, I'm pretty sure you don't hold a camera. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> that's the camera department. Uh, no, I am not tech, technically uh, skilled to <laughs> do anything with the visual components of a production, but, um, I started as an office PA and basically what you do is um, you support the production. You um, run errands, you file, you do administrative tests like filing, um, receipt reconciliation. Um, you watch the calendar as the, as they're shooting. And like, just basically it's a lot of tracking and um, really like whatever is needed. Like you may have to like, it's raining outside. They need a hundred umbrellas, meaning you have to go and get a hundred umbrellas for people. Um, but uh, I'm now a producer's assistant and clearance coordinator, um, which means I am direct support to the producer. Uh, it's a lot of um, scheduling, uh, tracking, and um, still administrative, but in a higher form where as you communicate with the assistant directors and basically all of production to make sure things go smoothly and um, you oversee like special projects, whether it's like um, orchestrating cast travel or talking to the agents about their schedule that is changing, that may constantly change and things like that. And clearance is more so um any item that is a brand or anything like that um that is shown on camera or on a television show typically has to be cleared by the company so if you have a coca-cola can basically you have to go to coca-cola and ask them if you can get permission to use this in your show or you may have to pay them um and you Basically, that's really it. Like you go to them, you reach out to them and you clear it. You get it, you get clearance from them to use whatever item that you're trying to use. And it is really depending on how you're using it. Like if you just drinking a Coca-Cola can, sometimes depending on the company, like if you were Warner Brothers or HBO, it just depends. You may just can use it as is intended. Like people normally drink a Coca-Cola. Oh, yes. I've seen that. Like I would see somebody like drinking water and I wonder, well, why don't they have the the label on it? Or it's a different label or mm -hmm. something like that. So and typically like that has to be if if it's not cleared, that has to be like generated by the art department. Like the graphics have to be generated and turned into a label and all of these things. So um it's a big it makes a big difference when you can use it as intended but like if you about to slap 
somebody across the head with a Coca-Cola can, then you got to get that. You probably got to get that clear because the way you're using it. <laughs> so that's so what I'm doing like now. famous people? Um, <laughs> describe famous. I don't know the difference between the A, B, D, C, W, C, D, <laughs> celebrities and stuff, but... Well, um, like, well, people that we would see on TV. People that's that me and you would famous. know. People that me and you would know. Um, uh, My last show, Mike Epps. This show I worked on, Wanda Sykes. Um, I don't know if you know, like, Jarrell Jerome, who was on um, When They See Us. But him, um, not many so <laughs> far. But, like, the people on the shows that I've been on, they're quote unquote famous. Um, yeah. you know, I don't know if they I was on Where the Crawdads Sing. Um, I met a lot of those people who are really good people. Um that's cool. Yeah, and on this show, Wanda Sykes was on here and Molly Shannon, who is like a SNL royalty. Do you have normal or I act normal because these people are like regular people. Mike Epps in real life is really funny. Like he is exactly who you see in his comedy shows. He is the same person all the time. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So what transferable skills do you feel like um, you took from education to what you're doing now? Of course, Um, communication. I mean, yeah, clear community, but clear communication, like, um, and that's the thing, like, even when I worked uh, for the SPID alternative program, um, like, we, those were things that we, like, specifically had to learn because of the type of students we were dealing with, and it's even more so in film because I can work with a producer and they have a one like a 60 second attention span so in those 60 seconds I have to clearly communicate exactly what I need from them or what clarity I need on whatever assignment or task they have given me um leadership (laughs) it is big and it was like I thought I had mastered it, but it gets harder, especially like, you know, with cultural differences in my accent and how I talk. So it's like sometimes people don't understand me. Then you got to wear these masks. It just makes everything harder. Um, But uh, leadership. um, I also learned that a, a lot of people, it's just, it's really like teaching. Like, it's like managing students, like really, like, it's not that much of a difference besides the fact that these are adults that I mm-hmm. am working with, and, but they still have different personalities. They still like, you know, do their own different stuff. It's like, you know, it's kind of the same, the strategic planning, um, kind of like working harder, not smart. I mean, smarter, not harder. Um, and being able to like adapt quickly and improvise on the fly. Like if you were in class and your um your PowerPoint or your presentation or your lesson is not working the way that you planned it would, the technology not is acting up, it's the same thing <laughs> in this industry. Uh so um and like people basically start losing their mind, but like and when you're in a classroom, you don't really have the opportunity to lose your mind because you have about 25 little kids eyes on you so you just kind of got to go with the flow and figure it out and it's basically the same thing except for like adults like really lose it (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, that's for sure. I do feel like um, teaching does, you know that how people say teachers are basically creating um, every other profession by, yeah. you know, educating the kids and, you know, um, building them up academically. But I, I feel like that, like, we we do everything. We're learning a lot of necessary skills that you're going to need in every aspect of your life, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's why, like, uh, even, like, my um, bosses and stuff, they, like, put teaching on your resume like they like even though you're working in the film industry like that is a like from teaching you have a lot of transferable skills that show that you know how to work with people you know how to communicate you can lead if needed like all of those different things so um is definitely a like transferable off off the across the board but it also like you see children from all walks of life and you when mm -hmm. in life you see people from all walks of life and so it's just very important that you you take in that understanding and apply it in every aspect of your life that you can yeah I, I wouldn't put that on your resume though but there's a way that you could <laughs> your resume by I'll just tweaking like your area of expertise those things that align but not necessarily the job okay. well you 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 the you the expert so i trust you more than i trust them i do put it on my resume but it's not listed as like my film tv it's just like my additional Experience yeah, experience. Yeah. yeah. See, that works. That works. See, you already good. You're good. <laughs> so would you go back? That's my last question. Would you go back to teaching? I could? think about it every day, actually. Um, even though it's not specifically what I want to do. Uh, like the working with kids every day definitely um was like something that like continued to push me forward and like kept me motivated until the end when I just was like I couldn't be what mm -hmm. I could be for them um I would go back to education I would not go back to teaching yep that makes sense I like that I like that well thank you so much for sharing your experience this was fun to learn about, um, like, digging into your world and, like, what people or what goes on behind the scenes of people's favorite shows that they like to watch. Child, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> and you never watch TV the same again. So <laughs> don't do it unless you know it's really what you want to do. <laughs> okay. Well, um, do you have um, briefly some advice for anyone that's looking to um, maybe go into production or get a degree in mass communication? Um, yes. Uh, not really if you want to, I mean, if you want to get into production and you're currently pursuing a TV film production um, communication degree, uh, in your off time, try to work as a PA. Um, reach out to your professors, see if they are connected to the communities nearby that may potentially be filming and try to get into the, get experience in the industry before you get out because that is what they're looking for. They're not looking at 
your degree, they're looking at experience. So um, the more connected you are when you leave, the better set up you'll be to succeed. That's all for today. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Rebranded Podcast, as well as our resume page at revision.writing. Need a resume or some other career service? We got you.